We done serve till I die. Okay. New player circle. As a matter of fact, it's gonna kill me, bitch. Cause you ain't. Tell them shout it. So get high. Tell them wheezy. Or get low. Yeah. If I don't do nothing, I'm about. I'm counting all day like the clock on the wall. Go and get your money, little duffel bag bar. Take go and get your money, little duffel bag bar. Get money. This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, presented by Four Roses. <laughs> Big mood, boys. Big mood. How you doing? Happy hump day. This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon, and this is Uber Stories Part 17. Thanksgiving Day edition. No, I'm just joking. Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. A little bit early tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Hope you guys have a happy turkey day with your families. Kind of weird. I don't know if you're getting together with your entire family or following Brashear's orders. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to tell you to have a nice day with whoever you're going to spend it with. And if you really want to impress somebody, if you are going to be showing up, and let's just, for all intents and purposes, assume that it's under eight people, okay? Show up with a bottle of Four Roses bourbon, single barrel or the small batch, and I guarantee the head honcho in the house, the dad or the grandpa or whoever is like the guy, you know, is going to look at you and be like, damn, son, where'd you find this? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? All right? So... That's the key to dad's heart right there. Four roses, single barrel, or the small batch. I like the small batch as well. If you are just now joining us for the very first time, welcome, my friends. Uh, Every Wednesday, we put these out. This is going to be our last episode in November. It's crazy that we're here, and the next time I speak to you will be in December, six months from when we started this journey, and it it couldn't be going better. Uh, I'm fucking thrilled. Um, It's just, uh, it's been a ride, man. It's been a ride, and uh, this is like something that uh, we're... You know, we're just building. We're just building week by week, baby. You know, brick by brick. All that shit. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it's going really well. Uh, starting to kind of ramp up here. And uh, I think I think like a year from now, we're going to look back at this and be like, damn, that was, uh, what a savage move. What a savage move. Kind of got out at the right time. I mean, look around. College basketball is going on today for the first time. There's already cancellations. And college basketball is even going to be worse than college football because there's way more teams. So you're probably going to have a lot more cancellations and a lot more teams affected. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. It's uh, We're, we're going to see how it goes. They're going to run with the season. We're going to see how it goes. But this is our last episode of November. Um Yeah, uh, here's something to keep in mind as we're right in the middle of holiday season, okay? This is an exercise in perspective I did this week. I began to write this out. Sometimes I'll write tweets out and format them, uh, but I don't press send. Or I'll start to to write something out like I'm going to tweet it, but it's just a thought that I want to expand upon later, and so I'll kind of like play with it, okay? So I began to write this out. Holidays are a painful reminder of the past. True, very true. I speak from, you know, personal experience. The holiday season, especially Christmas for me, uh, 
are really traumatic, and I think they are for a lot of people. They they really are. You know, we think that Thanksgiving is all sides and Macy's Day Parade and football and family. And for a lot of people, you know, if you come from a broken home, what are those things? You know what I mean? Like, what is tradition when you come from a divorced home and a broken home? Um, and so I, I, I it, there's a, a the, the perspective exercise is saying something, comma, but. You know what I mean? Or it's like the semicolon that I have tattooed on my wrist, you know, where the author could have chosen to end the sentence, but continues and chooses to continue on. And so in this exercise, the sentence reads, holidays are a painful of the reminder of the past, comma, but they don't have to be. Boom. Right there. You know, I read it and I'm like, that's really depressing. You know, it's really true. It's really authentic to me and my experiences. Um, but, and, and, and it, you know, holidays can bum a lot of people out. They certainly can be and, and certainly are a painful reminder of the past. But they don't have to be. And that shifts the whole thing. You know why? Because you have the power to create new memories. If you come from a broken home, a broken family, you have the power to build your own family and surround yourself with people that you consider to be family and receive their love. You know why? You deserve it. You deserve their love. You deserve to be loved. All right? There you go. Just change your life. You don't even know it. Thank me later. Check out the Ed Hamilton interview that we did last week. Ed was gracious enough to come to the studio, and we spent about an hour and a half talking about his works. Really famous sculptor here from Louisville, Kentucky. He's got a Hometown Heroes banner that hangs in the city. And he uh, is, uh, I mean, he's a nationally acclaimed sculptor, and he's got some really famous pieces that sit in places like uh, Abraham Lincoln sits down at the Waterfront Plaza, downtown Louisville. Uh, York, William Clark's slave, who helped in a major way on the Lewis and Clark expedition. Not many people familiar with his story, but he's got a statue in Riverfront Plaza here in Louisville. Um, Ed's Spirit of Freedom sits in Washington, D.C., near Howard University. And he was, uh, he was a great guest. He was a great guest. So it was a really good interview. That dropped last Friday. Go check that out. I have another guest who's going to be joining the show in January that I am honestly so excited about because there hasn't been, so a lot of these interviews, you know, I the way that I do these interviews is they're like a bonus. You know, if you get two episodes in one week, one will be Uber Stories. Those come out every Wednesday. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter, at BennyTomp18, Facebook, at RealTalkWBennyT. <sighs> okay, take a breath. <laughs> but... The interviews are really deep dives and explorations into topics that either are very personal for me so that I can really, really kind of peel back a lot of layers and hopefully somebody, you know, it, it'll help somebody or or benefit somebody or touch somebody or resonate with somebody and then they'll go, okay, yeah, 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 yeah I, I actually, I need this information. You know, I, I, I'm curious about this too. Um, this could help me. That's what it's for. Okay, that's what it's for. So uh, they're very revealing. It, it takes a lot to kind of uh, to kind of open myself up, and it, it's basically like I'm dissecting myself every time I do one of these interviews. Now, um, 
Certainly not every single time. I mean, if, you know, when I get somebody like Ed Hamilton, um, I keep the interview mainly about them, right? But when I've worked with people like Dr. Marsha Clark or um, Dr. Marsha Reynolds or Gustavo Rossetti, um, those were ones where, you know, I was asking questions and then relating them to my experience. This is going to be one that's very personal. And uh, it's going to be real talk, man. That's what you guys are here for. That's what I fucking do. Julie Fast is her name. She is going to be on in January. Julie is a mental health expert. She's a best-selling author and a critically acclaimed national speaker. And she frequently discusses the topics of bipolar disorder, depression, and schizophrenia. Um, she was diagnosed as having rapid cycling bipolar 2 with psychotic features. Um, which would now, you know, is is commonly known as uh, schizophrenia. Uh, she is the best-selling author of a handful of books: "Loving Someone with Bipolar Disorder," another one's called "Take Charge of Bipolar Disorder," uh, another one's called "Bipolar Happens," and then uh, also one of the books that have uh, kind of. I wouldn't say jump-started her career because I'm, I'm not going to characterize her career like that, but um, one of the things that she really builds upon and builds around are these health cards. They're, they're a treatment system for bipolar disorder, and they've helped a lot of people. And before we do this interview, uh, she's going to be sending me a second edition of her book, Getting It Done While You're Depressed. Uh, that's going to be released in January, and she's going to be making the PR rounds. And so sometime late January, um, and maybe, it, you know, it might even fall into February. I don't know. She said the book's going to be released on January 12th, and then I'm going to work with the PR firm, and we're going to find a time that, um, you know, I can get Julie on Zoom, and we can do this thing. But she's going to be sending me a copy of that book, and I'm going to buy the health cards treatment system and build this stuff out, work on it, and basically workshop myself right in front of you guys, okay? And and you're going to see this play out. And uh, I'm, I'm really, Julie and I have been emailing back and forth. I'm really, really excited to have Julie on. Um, and so I am going to talk to her about bipolar. She's bipolar, so it'll be, you know, it's not like, you know, sometimes you get these, uh, these experts who don't even live with the 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 thing that they're an expert on, right? Like, how can you be an expert in dogs if you don't own any dogs? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. So she actually is bipolar, and she has lived with it for, you know, I think she was, on her website it says she was diagnosed in 95, I believe, and so, um, you know, she's been uh, leading this field for over 20 years, and we're going to talk to her about living with bipolar, uh, depression, um, balancing mood swings. Balance is really tough. Balance and consistency and stability are really, really fucking hard when you're bipolar, man. Because you're going from these really manic highs and peaks of creativity to then uh, just these fucking most depressing, I can't get out of bed, I can't even, I don't even want to brush my teeth, I'm so fucking depressed. Because who cares? If you're depressed and you're thinking about killing yourself, the last thing you're worried about is your teeth, right? I mean, no one thinks about that, right? You're just like, whatever, fuck it. Like, oh, that's what I look like in the mirror? Well, fuck it. I hate myself anyways, you know? These are like things that have come through my mind time and time again, you know what I mean? And uh, 
don't worry, you know, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, this is like some of the shit that I deal with, okay? And and finding the middle and finding balance and consistency and stability is really tough because I, I feel like I'm constantly fluctuating between those two polar opposites, you know, really, really up and really, really down. So um, you just you just try to ride the wave, man. Like you just try to ride the wave. You know what I mean? Um, we're gonna talk about channeling mania for creative purposes. You know, a lot of times. I was reading this interview that she was giving and I was like, wow, that really, I really resonates with me. That's like, that's so fucking true. Uh, she said that, you know, a lot of times when she would be writing these books, the most creative ideas and like, you know, all these different directions that she wanted to go, that would come when she was manic and she would write all these things down. But her actual writing like her putting in the the bulk of the work came while she was depressed and i'm like oh my god like that's 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 so true like oh my god you know what i mean because when you know when i get manic I, like i have a million different ideas and some of them are good some of them are shit um and the more that I have somebody to kind of bounce those off of and talk those through with uh the more that we can kind of filter in okay this is actually a good idea like, is anybody else doing this? No, we should run with this. Or, yeah, maybe this isn't your best idea. But you know what? Keep throwing stuff at the wall because you never know what's going to stick. That's kind of like um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the the creative strategy that I believe in is just like cast a wide net. You know what I mean? Like, I, I will take, and if I were building a team, give me the guy or the girl that has a million different ideas. Some of them might be half-assed, but we can work with that because they're fucking ideas. It's a direction to go in. You get a group full of people that don't have any clue about anything and don't have any input and are just like, well, I, I don't know, you know? It's like, I can't work with that, man. I can't work with that because there's no spark. But give me the person that is throwing a million different ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. Because eventually, like, something's going to hit, dude. Something's going to hit. And that hit with me. And it's like, oh, my God, that's so true. And then when I am in my feelings, okay, when I am in my feelings, uh, some of those times have been the times that I've written some of my best work, some of my best poems, some of my deepest reflections and journal entries, um, those are, those are all things. And I, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. Like as much as that sucks and as much as it, it kind of sucks when, you know, it's a struggle to get out of bed like every day for a straight week. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, why, am, why, why? You know what I mean? Like things were just so great. You know, you're like, fuck man. But then it's like, okay, but now I have some time to kind of focus and I can just kind of like get the shit out. And that's, that's when a lot of the stuff that I'm kind of like festering out is like really raw, but really real, like authentic stuff. And that's what people love. People love the real authentic talk. So this is what we do. I open myself up. I dissect myself. Hopefully somebody can benefit. Maybe it saves somebody's life. You know, maybe I say the thing that somebody just needs to hear that day. And to me, that's all worth it. To me, that's all worth it. So, fuck it. Fuck it. You could try to throw curveballs, but I got the glove fitted, fam. All right. So, that's going to be coming up in January. Julie Fast, I'm really excited about it. And uh, we're, we're going to go really deep. And I think you guys will really like that.
Okay, let's jump into some Uber stories, all right? I met some really interesting people this week. I really did, okay? I got like four or five people that I'm going to talk about, then we'll get into the stories, and uh, I got five really good stories for you today. Uh, I'm excited for these. They're pretty good. So, interesting people this week. I met this guy who was in from out of town, and he said, yeah, I'm a money manager, and uh, you know, a lot of my clients are professional athletes. So I'm thinking, okay, well, do you have any, uh, you know, NFL players or, you know, any, like, who's your biggest client? And he said, uh, well, I actually manage a lot of UFC guys. Uh, my biggest client's Triple G. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I'll be honest, I don't really know a lot about UFC. I, 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 can, I, I can't put a face to the name, but I do know the name Triple G. And when I Googled him later, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I, like, I kind of feel like I know this guy. I've seen his face before. Uh, and so that guy was pretty cool. You know, He was a money manager, and we talked about Dana White. We talked about Conor McGregor and just, uh, you know, he's like, dude, listen, Conor, Conor's a cool-ass dude, but honestly, man, all these people, you know, they're selling. They're selling it, man. You know, like, yeah, Connor is a fucking lunatic. And, and you know, when he throws the chair at the window on the bus, like, yeah, that that's real. But a lot of the stuff when he comes in the ring, that showmanship, that's just what you got to do to sell it. And and that's part of the game. And everybody knows that, you know, because I, I think I had, had asked, like, does anybody ever get annoyed with these guys when they're doing their bit and people look across the room and they're like, there goes Connor again, you know what I mean? And he's like, nah, because I think most guys just kind of accept that it's it's part of it. And uh, um, Connor's been great to the UFC because he makes people that don't watch the UFC want to watch it, if not for anything else, to watch this guy. Is he going to get his ass beat, or is he as good as he talks? You know what I mean? Like, So it, it brings people to the sport, and Connor's been great for the sport. So I don't think any real UFC fan could ever hate Connor McGregor. And if you do, fuck you. All right, I love Conor McGregor. Double until I die, baby. All right, so that guy was pretty cool. Um, the most interesting people that I met this this couple, they were traveling in a green school bus that this guy lived on. Can you believe that? I was dropping them off, and they're like, "Yeah, we're only in town for one night. What should we do?" Blah blah blah. I'm pulling up to the location, you know, the destination that they've entered in the app. And it was just this parking lot. And I'm like, oh, great. Am I about to get murdered? And they're like, hey, we're that green school bus right over there. I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's what we're traveling in. I said, that's yours? They said, yeah. I go, holy shit. Fun, right? You bought that and you guys just travel together? And the guy said, bought it, built it. And this is actually the first time that I've taken it out. And the chick's like, yeah, he lives in it. I'm like, no way. They said, yeah, this is our very first road trip. That is so fucking cool. Like, like that is that is goals. That is goals. Maybe not your goals, but I would totally be into, you know, doing that with my girlfriend or my wife or the person that I love. And we decide to rent or buy a bus and just travel the fucking country in it. Like, that would be sick. I would love to do that, you know? And the fact that these people are doing it, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm somebody that tips my cap to that. I think it's really fucking cool. Uh, there was another guy that was that was really, really doing a great service. He said that Louisville had contracted his company that was based in Virginia to come down and install free public Wi-Fi to places in downtown Louisville that, uh, you know, are maybe impoverished areas 
not a lot of households that might have Wi-Fi, and so he was installing public Wi-Fi for people to use downtown so that kids are able to do their homework and people are able to pay their bills online, and it's one less thing that people have to pay for. That's pretty fucking awesome. That's pretty fucking awesome. So that guy was cool. Met another guy who was a military officer at Fort Knox, young kid, I mean, 23 years old, but he's a military officer, uh, had gone to school and then gone in and uh, had just bought a house and he was just a really, really dope dude. And, and actually, I gave him my card and I was like, you know, because he was like really ex- uh, appreciating the music that I was playing, you know what I mean? And uh, we started talking about concerts and stuff and I was like, hey man, I mean, Next time, you know, COVID permitting, there's uh, we go to you know Barbarella or um, Old Forester's Paris Town Hall, and there's somebody like we saw Galantis there. You know, um, you know, I'll hit you up and see what see if you want to come with us because I know how hard it is to meet people when you move somewhere, and you're trying to find people that like the same things as you, but. It can be tough to put yourself out there. Not that this guy was struggling with that at all, but just, you know, the the, the part of, especially if you're a military guy, you're going to be surrounded with military people. I don't see a ton of military people hanging out at Kygo concerts. I don't know. There's probably some. All right, my man John Hundley, big bundle of hundles, would be down to go. But, like, I don't know. By and large, I feel like a lot of military dudes probably wouldn't want to stand around in a big crowd and dance. I'm just going to go ahead and go out on a fucking limb there, okay? So, um, he was an awesome dude and definitely got the invite, which is kind of a big deal, you know? I don't know, kind of a big deal, you know? But if you're good people, you know, you're cool, all right? And then uh, and then there was one other dude that uh, I, I put a brother on Kygo, and uh, uh, he was like a 40-year-old bro, and sexual healing was playing Marvin Gaye, so he liked the Marvin Gaye, but he's like, oh, this Marvin Gaye would a twist, and I was like, yeah, brother, this is Kygo, what's happening, and he was like getting hyped about it, so I was like getting hyped about it, you know, because if I can put somebody on Kygo, then I, that makes me very happy, that makes me really fucking happy, so that was cool, uh, really, really good people this week, um, I tried to drive late on Friday night, this past Friday night, but it was pretty dead. Like, it got pretty dead. And obviously, with the new restrictions on bars and restaurants, you know, in Kentucky, um, they're doing some outdoor dining stuff with tents, but it's about to get pretty cold soon. I don't know, kind of temps in the mid-50s and always rainy, always really shitty winters here in Kentucky. I can't wait to move, honestly, to some some West Coast weather. Hopefully one day that's what we're grinding towards. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, bars have been closed down for like three weeks. I think they're going to reopen, I don't know, sometime in January maybe. Um January 12th, is that the date? I don't, I don't know. That's that's probably wrong, so I pr- probably should cut that, but whatever, we're going to keep it in. Uh, there's been some restrictions. Schools have gone to full NTI learning, um, and I think, oh, gyms was the other one. Gyms, uh, you have to be at 33% capacity, um, but luckily, I called up my gym, LAC, I fucking love you guys, LAC Westport, and said, hey, just wondering, just heard Bashir's press conference, wondering what the deal is moving forward. You know what the girl said? She said, well, actually, sir, our gym is so large that no matter what time it is, we're never going to be in jeopardy of being 
close to full capacity. So we will be well with under the 33% threshold. I'm like, I literally said, I fucking love you guys. I fuck, you guys are the best. And she just started laughing. And I was like, thank God. Now we do, they did make us start wearing masks while we work out, which sucks if you sweat as much as I do, because this thing is like drenched. But it is, I, I, I will take that. You know what? I'll take that over not having a gym at all and going back to laying down on top of a shower curtain in my, in my fucking garage and doing uh, sit-ups and push-ups uh, like I was doing in March. That was miserable. That was awful. So that's good. Uh, but with all these things being closed, especially the bars and restaurants thing, um, you know, rides on a Friday night, that, that, significantly kind of cut into my business this is my business that we're talking about here right and uh it 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 died out you know pretty early on on friday night so instead of doing the 1 to 11 p.m shift that i did uh, two weeks ago i just did like a 1 to 8 p.m and then once ride stopped coming in and i hung out for like 30 minutes downtown got nothing i was like all right fuck this i'm going home so uh that that is gonna kind of be something to keep an eye on but you know, with with the number of places, I don't know how. I don't know. I, it it kind of blows my mind that places are able to do this, uh, the outdoor tent thing. When I look at these things, and I'm like, how is that not indoors? I don't get it. It's indoors, but it's outdoors. But it's this weird loophole that Kentucky's operating under, and uh, I'm probably other states are too. But I don't know. I just, I, I don't get it. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but, uh, places are doing it. So there will be people going to and from these places that serve alcohol and serve food. And, uh, hopefully this Friday night will be a little bit more lively than the last one. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Oregon football, uh, plays at seven thirty on uh, Friday night, and I, I might have to be locked in for that. So we'll see how Friday goes. We'll see how Friday goes. But that was uh, that was good. So now we're able to get into these stories. I got five stories for you today. Five really good ones. Uh, we will end. I always like to end either on a story. Or usually it's like me encouraging somebody, giving somebody real talk, giving somebody either, um, you know, kind of a, a lot of them are speeches. Like I give a lot of speech, I give a lot of free therapy. I give a lot of speeches to, to writers who need them. Uh, and they're not always like that. You know, there, there are certainly times where I just shut up, get out of the way, ask questions and people give me stories. But then there's other times where uh, in having these discussions with people that I I give I give them I give them what they need. I give them what they need, you know? They need some encouragement. They need some reassurement. Hey, this isn't your fault. Hey, move on. It won't make you a bad person. You know what I mean? Like sometimes all we need is a little bit of permission. And even from a stranger, those words will go a long way. And they really do. And they really do. So the last story uh, is titled Get Your Grades. And uh, it's about two high school girls that one of them, one of them was in high school, one of them is in college. And uh, it was uh, basically a speech that I gave about uh, even going above and beyond despite this being uh, NTI learning year. It's my senior year. I'm kind of checked out. Oh, but I want to get into UCLA. Well, girl, you can't do that unless your grades are good. And so I gave her a way that she can sell herself to UCLA, and hopefully, you know, she gets in. That would be great. Um, 
Other stories on today's episode, tough breakup, another conversation about a tough breakup and this guy, and basically I was helping him move on from it. Um, employee terminations. This was a story about a woman who had worked in HR that gave me three really good stories about really good firings. Juicy Juicy gossip. What's the funniest reason that you've ever had to fire somebody for? What's the most embarrassing reason that you've ever had to fire somebody for? And what's the most uncomfortable reason that you've ever had to fire somebody for? So she gave me those. Uh, second to last story is called The Cable Guy. This is, uh, this is some X-rated humor, okay? Some good stories coming out of these two that got in the car. A couple of South End boys, and they had... Uh, they had a pre- they had a couple pretty good stories. This is some savage Benny T shit that I'll enjoy. Uh, maybe not all of you will, but we don't discriminate on this podcast. Anything goes. It's explicit for a reason. <laughs> all right. I'm not gonna get graphic and and gross you out with any details or anything like that. I'm just saying. You know, some of the stuff. Viewer discretion is advised on some of the content that. Uh, I get. And you know what? It's not my fault. You know, I just ask questions and people fill in the blanks with with whatever they got. You know what I mean? So uh, if it makes for a good story, then it makes for a good story. Now, this first story, though, is where we're going to start today. This one is called Special Delivery. And we'll call this writer Sherry. So I picked up Sherry because her car had died. And apparently nowadays, they only let one person ride with the tow truck driver. I, I, she told me that as if I was supposed to know that, uh, you know, at one point they let two people ride. I don't know. She was upset about it, uh, but not upset at me. She was upset at the tow truck driver. So her husband was the one that went with this tow truck driver and she called an Uber. Luckily, she said they were parked when it happened and it, the thing just wouldn't turn over. So that's good. You know, didn't like break down in the middle of the highway or something like that. Strand them. That would be bad. She told me that she was a nurse at a hospital in Louisville for like 12 years, but she took a COVID break because she said no one wanted the work during this pandemic, and she said, I was only going to take off six months, but now this won't go away, so maybe I'm really retired now. I, who knows? Who knows? Well, at one point as we're riding, we got to talking, and she said that she specifically was a labor and delivery nurse for most of her career. And she said, when I tell people that, they think, oh, that's got to be so fun. Um, it's actually one of the hardest ways to be a nurse. I said, I would think that's like being a pilot that only has to land planes the whole time. You know what I mean? And we both laughed. And she said, yeah, the most stressful part of the flight. You get it. You get it. Yeah, that's very true. I asked, well, do you have a count of how many successful deliveries you've ever been a part of? She said, how many did I do without a doctor or <laughs> I said, I mean, she said, I think I delivered five by myself and then hundreds with a doctor. I said, I, I think that would be something that I would think about if I were doing that was just, you know, like not think about it a lot, but eventually you're kind of thinking I've been a part of X amount of births, you know, like I've begun this process for so many people. The circle of life, man, that's really cool. And she said, yeah, and, you know, you're the first person to actually see them. Like, I never really thought about it that way. But, and even if you're not the one that actually does the delivery, you're the one that does the laboring and you're the one that touches that baby for the first time. Huh, that is pretty cool. 
I said, so So I guess you would be the ultimate mom to be able to say, I brought you into this world, and then she finished my sentence for me as we both said together in unison, and I can take you out, you know? Whose mom ever said that to them growing up? My mother, my hands raised, my mom said that to me all the fucking time. Hey, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Don't fuck with me, all right? Now, I added that little part in the in, in the very end there, but you get the point, okay? Uh, pretty common amongst uh, white suburban moms, I think. Probably different variations of that around town, but that's the one that I grew up with, okay? There you go. Uh, and she said, yeah, it's funny thing, though, you know? Funny thing, though. I actually haven't seen any of my own grandchildren born. None of them. I said, really? All born in Kentucky? Uh, four out of the six, yes. Were you working or what? Um, no, I was there and part of the process, but just not actually part of the actual births. Huh, that's interesting. You know, you, you would think, you know, just doing what you do. Yeah, I, I did examine my daughter-in-law in the back of a car in a Walgreens parking lot when she was in labor, though. <laughs> okay, please give me that story. She said, well, she was having contractions and it was like four weeks early and they lived in London and we were in Lexington and they were going to go home. And I was like, you can't go home to London having contractions that often. And she was like, well, I don't want to go to the hospital. So we stopped at a Walgreens, bought some gloves, bought some gel and put down the back of the Explorer. And I checked her and I was like, yeah, honey, you're five centimeters. You got to go to the hospital. And he was born five hours after that, my grandson. That was super fun. It's kind of an embarrassing moment to share with your daughter-in-law, she said. Yeah, but you know what, Sherry? That makes for a great story. And it really does. And it really does. This story is called Tough Breakup. We'll call this writer James. James hops in, and we got to talking about jobs we had worked in the past and he said he worked at a cell phone carrier for like three years. He said, I made good money, but it didn't. I didn't like it because I had to work too hard for my money. You know, I really had to hustle. I never knew how much I was going to bring home. Every day was a struggle. So, and I made good money, but I'm like, I hate pretending all the time. That really got in my head. Like, I'm a good, you know, I'm a pretty nice guy, but sometimes it's just, you know what I mean? You just don't feel like, I said, yeah, faking it. I know exactly what you mean. He said, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's killing me on the inside because I'd get off work and be like, I don't even know who I am anymore because I was that good at selling. I'm telling you. I don't even know who I am. I don't even know how to talk. Trying to be street, but I'm over here still talking like I'm at work. I said, your white voice. He goes, it's crazy, man. And then the company I work for now called me and I was like, well, I can keep doing this and have to worry about how much I'm bringing home every day, not having enough customers, whatever, or I can go work over here and do the same thing every day, but I know how much I'm coming home with, and now I make so much money that I I can't just up and quit. What other job is just going to give me 20, you know what I'm saying? If I quit, my whole way of life changes. My rent is 1300 just my rent. So I'm like, if I quit, I'd have to move the next day. I got three dogs. My girlfriend is six years left at the beginning of COVID-19. 
and my rent was $18.50 a month, and we had a two-bedroom. And then she left, so I just downsized two months ago to a one-bedroom, saved me $500 a month. I stayed in that $18.50 apartment until September. She left in February, and I stayed there until September holding on to hope. You know how it goes. But once September came, I said, well, it's been about six, seven months. I know she's been with somebody else. It's time to move on. I said, man, I was in a similar situation. I was working out in the Bay Area, and I had an apartment that I was paying $2,000 a month for, just a one-bedroom, $2,000 a month. And I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore, and I wanted to quit, but I knew that if I quit, it either meant that I needed to find another job really fast, right, or... He said, change your whole life. I said, yeah, yeah, or move back to Kentucky, exactly. I couldn't afford to be there. And it was to the point where I was so over it, I, I didn't even want to try to do my job and fake it with that company and fake it to everybody else, and I am dead on the inside. You know what I'm saying? James says, and people don't know what it's like until you do it. They're like, what do you mean? All that money you make, like, bruh. I said, it's not worth it. He said, it's not worth your peace. My mom preached to me about peace all my life, and I'm just now understanding what she was saying. I said, isn't it funny how we get older and then our parents get smarter, it seems like, over the years? Isn't that funny? We get older, our parents get smarter. He said, you know what I'm saying? I said, yeah, yeah. So I said, are you doing all right since the breakup? He said, man, I wasn't at first, man. I was going through it. But after so much time... Now you don't have to wonder so much because you know, I know she'd been with somebody else. And it ain't even nothing you got to torture yourself over. Like at this point, it is what it is, bro. She ain't coming back. Why'd she split in the first place? Uh, it was more about her. She just, she lost herself. I can't badmouth her because she's a good woman, but she's still young-minded and she hasn't found what she wants to do yet. And we really got as far as we could with each other. And it got to a point where she started holding me back, man. She'd get a job and keep quitting all these good jobs. She'd get a job and be like, oh, it's the best job in the world. I love it. And then I'd be timing it too. I'm like, every three months she quits, no matter how good the job is. I mean, she was flying through jobs, man. And that's not a problem with me, but the problem comes in where you can't handle your bills all the time. And I got to keep coming out of my pocket to cover your end. Which is cool every once in a while, but bae, I can't get ahead or buy the things I want because I'm covering your part. And like I said, I, I paid the rent, which was $18.50, and all she had to worry about was the LG&E and cable bills, and you can't even do that. She couldn't even do that. But I never really said anything, but it, it showed in my emotions. I started getting emotionless, I guess. You know how dudes just, just get kind of withdrawn? Yeah, yeah, and that killed her out, man, but I couldn't help it, man, like, you're letting me down, but I love you, and, but, yeah, man, she left, joined a biker club, now she live in E-Town, <laughs> well, honestly, man, it sounds like that was the best thing that could have happened, and he says, and after five or six years, we never used a condom, but I couldn't get her pregnant. My mom was like, bro, she's not the one. I'm trying to tell you she's not the one, James. But after our first three years, we break up for a month, and she got pregnant by somebody else just like that. I said, oh, shit. So it's like God just kept telling me, man, 
And she's done everything to me. Everything you can imagine, she did it to me. I broke up with her once. She went to the courthouse and said I raped her the night before. I'm like, why would you do that out of spite? She's like, oh, I was half asleep, da 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 I'm like, what? What? And then she recanted like two days later. I'm like, why would you do that? She was like, well, you cut off my phone, James. I said, <laughs> He said, I know, bro. I was a simp. Bro, I fell. I was under a spell, bro. I said, hey, listen, no judgment. It happens, all right? He said, and her mom's a witch, and she says all the time she puts spells on me, so I know they be putting evil spells on me. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I said, hey, you need to get you a little garlic necklace or something. You feel me? He said, crazy, bro. I said, but hey, that's good, man. That, that makes me really happy to hear because if she's not in your life, I mean, dude, I've had people in here telling me, I had a kid in here just the other day, 22 years old, said they got married at 20, military kid. And he was out in Valley Station because he said it was close enough to Fort Knox. And he was with this chick in Virginia. And they were married and they had three kids, but none of them were his. And he thought that one of them was, like when he got with this chick, he said she had a baby that was like a year and four months and then was pregnant with another baby. Oh, man. And he comes in, they get married, and he put his name on that baby's birth certificate. She got pregnant again, and he thought that she was pregnant with his baby. No, now he's stuck. And then he found out that it wasn't his. Yeah, you can't get out of that. But he was, though. He was. So he moved down here to Louisville, bought a house, and was telling me, like, man, I'm going to the courts, and I'm going to make her take a DNA test. And if that baby's not mine, I'm going to be like, yo, anything you need for them kids, I got you. But other than that, you know, don't ask me for shit. But he was really waffling because he was like, dude, as soon as we separated and I've been out here fucking with these other girls that I used to, it made me remember why I wanted to settle down with her in the first place because we had such a vibe and she was different and I love that about her. And I still do, so I might try to give him another chance. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's honestly no simple answer to that, man, because until you're the one dealing with the options, you never know. You never know. But honestly, from what you told me, it sounds like you really dodged a bullet, man. He said, I'm not going to put it all on her. I can only tell what she did to me. Let her tell it, and she'll say he was withdrawn. He was always getting mad at me over simple stuff. You know, I'll be honest. I wasn't perfect. I never did anything outrageous. It was just shit. It was stressing me out, man. She turned into more work, and she doesn't want to work. You know, I know that. Yeah, I mean that's dude that that tells you everything you need to know for real because if this is a this is a person that can't stay consistent enough to hold down a job and he said that's what it was for me the consistency. Well then how are you going to expect to rely on her as a wife or a mother? And he was like shit. And I was raising her two nieces. They lived with us for 5 years. And that's what really kept me glued to her was them kids, cuz. Because I started seeing them as my own kids because her sister's a junkie. So we took them in, and that was really the hardest part. But my mom was like, yeah, you're going to have to let them kids go because if you don't, she's always going to have a tie to you. And she hits, she still hits me up, man. She still hits me up asking me about money and favor. She'll text me and be like, hey, can I have $200? I need to update the registration on my car. 
And I'm like, why would you ask me that? Where are your other dudes at? You know what I'm saying? The guys you left me for. I said, just let it slide. Just let it slide, James. He said, man, yeah, I already got a new girl. It's time to move on. Yeah, man. And you'll be better off for it. You know what I mean? Yup. So, and honestly, listen, James, those kids, you know, it's one thing to be there for them throughout their life and like they can call you and they probably know that and shit that they can come to you with anything, right? But hey, you got to think about this too, man. Those are not your kids. Bottom line. Yeah, that's what my mom keeps saying. They ain't your kids. You just tied to them, but you got to let them go. You have to. That's what she'll use against you. That's what my mama say. I said, that's somebody else's problem. Those are somebody else's problem. Bottom line, they're not your kids. And it ain't even her kids. That's the crazy part. That's the crazy part, man. But I said, you know, you know we're, we're pulling up and had stopped for a minute to kind of finish our conversation. And it was like, good talking to you, man. And he said, hey, I got you. I got you too. It's like, thanks, man. Stay up. Stay up. And you know what? He did. He got me. Fat tip. My man. My man. This story is called Employee Terminations. We'll call this writer Denise. I picked up Denise because I was taking her to a bar and restaurant. This was She was going to hang with her friends. This is obviously before Bashir's uh, closing of things, you know, bars and restaurants. Ah, the good old days. So Denise was going to hang out with her friends, but... I was really confused because she lived in a young and thriving part of Louisville and this friends night was out in J-Town. So I'm like, man, all your friends must have kids, huh? They must be family, suburban people. And she's like, yep, and I'm still the single one. Woo! So we take off and it's like, hey, how you doing? What do you do? And I gave her the whole nine yards. She's like, wow, that's really fascinating. Yeah, so if you've got any good stories, they're all anonymous. She said, man, and she's thinking about it for a minute. She said, well, I'll just, I'll drink a ton and then request you on the way back. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, okay, well, what about the craziest thing that's ever happened to you or the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome or, oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. Or the juiciest gossip you've heard lately. I mean, it could be anything. Well, I work in HR, so I have a lot of fun stories. I think the most uncomfortable one was this woman was like legit crazy. Like I had a woman who I was sitting with and wanted to resign and her boss had told me like, yeah, she's just not as good anymore. There's just something going on and she won't tell me what And we're like, do you need help? And she's like, no, I'm good. And so I met with her one-on-one, and I was like, hey, are things going okay? And she was like, well, it's just been very hard because they're out to get me. And this was like a very male-dominated field. So I was like, oh, oh, who's out to get you? And she was like, the people in red. And I'm like, okay, well, our company color's red. So what does that mean? She said, well, they have a secret code. And when we're in meetings, they'll tap their pens in a certain speed. And I know that they're coding and talking about me. I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah. And they'll bring in Cokes instead of Pepsi because that's the red that represents it. So they're all trying to get me. And then Denise breaks from the story to say that 
they worked at this huge site that had their own fire department there. And this woman told Denise, did you notice the trucks? And Denise is like, we had just changed these trucks from yellow to red. So it's like, it's really happening. You know, this woman's telling me it's really happening. You know, it's just stressing me out. So I told her that I ran out of ink. I was like, hang on. So I had to go get a pen and I called her doctor because we had a doctor on site too. And I called the doctor and I was like, she's having like a true hallucination, like mental snap. I don't know what it is. And the doctor went, well, you know, we can't really do anything if she gave her resignation, just accept it. Just accept it. Because even if she changes her mind, it's like, well, we've already accepted. Like, we're good. So I went back in and like she had really thought that people were wearing red and like I worked for a military contractor at the time this was happening. So people wore red on Fridays to support the troops. So like everything that she saw, like the Coke machines, the fire trucks, the pins, like the way that people wrote, um, there was something else too that was so weird. I'm, I'm sitting in this room with her like, oh my God, what if she really snaps? Like, eh, I don't like that one. I said, but to her, these are like very legitimate things that are happening. And coincidentally, there's just a lot of red. And she said, yeah. And and like, I couldn't just be like, oh, well, we have a partnership with Coke and not Pepsi because there's just no point. And I have a mental health background, so I know that there's just no point in explaining it because that's what she truly believes. And I was just thankful that I wasn't wearing red that day because I had almost, swear to God, worn a red shirt that day. I'm like, oh my God. And I didn't like the way that it looked, so I changed it real quick. And I was like, oh my God, thank goodness. But that was probably the most uncomfortable one. Well, how about like, did you have to fire many people, you know? Well, no. Since I was in HR, I was just in the room when the managers fired people. Well, what was the most embarrassing thing that somebody ever got fired for? Oh, porn all the time. We had these kids in the office down in Florida that were sending just the nastiest shit to each other on IM, on their company computers. I mean, nasty shit about women in the office. And one of them was literally like, dude, you shouldn't send me that kind of stuff on IM. And this other kid was like, nah, they can't read it. We're fine. And sure enough, I called him up and was like, hey, we can definitely read your IMs. And he said, oh, I'm fired, aren't I? I said, yeah. And then there was this girl who was, <laughs> we had to fire because <laughs> she shit her pants. And okay, you know, but she went into the bathroom and she like cleaned up her underwear and they were wet. So she put them in the microwave to try and dry them. Oh, my God, I say. Yeah, that was one. I'm glad I didn't have to do that one. That was a union worker, so the union rep had to do it, which was great because, like, I don't even know what to say. Uh, that that was definitely one of the funnier ones. And then, oh, one of my friends, so because California is so crazy, he had to coach someone because it was a government contractor and you had to count for every six minutes of your work on the project that you're working on in California. They make you do this. It's crazy. And usually you work on one project at a time, so you just say for the day, I was doing this. 
But if you lied, you could get fired because you're lying to the government at that point, right? And then we have to pay that money back and it becomes this whole bullshit hassle. And when we tell people that, it's more like, you know, if you're working from 8 to 3 and saying that you're working from 7 to 7 and you're padding hours, we, we tell people that, you know, not to do that, right? And that's kind of why they make you do the six minutes of your work and uh, report on that like that. Well, there started to be this smell from this dude's desk and they were like, what is that? And we couldn't figure it out. So when we called the cleaning company to come in and look, they opened the drawer and he had bottles of piss in there. Oh, yeah. He was peeing at his desk because he said, I don't want to stop work and I don't want to have to keep track of when I go to the bathroom. So I don't want to lie because I don't want to get fired and I don't want to cheat the government. But it's like kind of a given that you're going to get up and leave your desk for a second or you're going to get up and go to the bathroom or you're going to like take breaks and that's okay. But engineers, man, they're so weird. And he was like so to the T of what we had said. He's like, oh, no, if I leave my desk for two minutes, I'm going to have to make sure that that's in my work log and I don't want to forget or get it wrong. So I'll just pee at my desk in these bottles. Engineers, man, they take everything so seriously and literally to a T, you got to really be careful of when giving them instructions. <laughs> Fucking engineers, man. You guys are weird. I'm just kidding. You guys, you guys are, I know a lot of engineers. I got a lot of friends that are engineers. I worked with engineers when I was working for Wenger out in California and we would design these projects and I'd have to work with structural engineers and electrical engineers and get the PE stamps and all kinds of stuff. California is very weird and different. It operates different. You got seismic concerns. But engineers, by and large, think about the people who become engineers. I know cool ones. I know normal ones. By and large, they're very cerebral people. They're very... If you tell me I have to, like, do something, then I'm going to take that very literally. Uh, they're just, they're just, I don't know, man. They're just wired differently, literally. Literally wired differently. This story is called The Cable Guy. All right? This one's a little bit raunchy, all right? But uh, not graphic. These two dudes hop in the car. I'm like, hey, boys, how you doing? They say, good, good, just headed up to this pawn shop. You know, they start asking me the normal questions, how you, how long you've been driving Uber, about a year, is this your only job? I give them the pitch. They say, well, how about that? That's cool, man. I bet the stories are great. I said, how about you guys? Have you guys been working with everything going on? And the first dude said that he, he, he like dropped the name of a cable company that he worked for, and the other one sold cars. And then the first dude chimes back in and he says, yeah, I install cable for and contract for name of the company, right? That's actually why I got divorced, he says. My wife didn't like my girlfriend. <laughs> See, I can have stories too, he says to me. I said, well, give me them, man. Yeah, yeah, they're all anonymous, so give me some good shit. He goes, oh, no, mine's an old porno, basically. Started dating my customer. Friend two says, an old porno? Well, it sounds like an old porno. Oh, like a 70s one? Yeah, cable guy comes to install the cable, ends up installing the customer. I asked, did you nail her right then and there when you showed up? Well, nah, I gave her a couple cigarettes. <laughs> Me and friend two are losing it. <laughs> 
And friend two says, so they're fucking for cigarettes now, huh? And he says, she was whining about her boyfriend the whole time, and I was running cable through her attic. And I knew, dude, I knew she was batshit crazy, dude, because uh, first thing she said whenever I was getting up in the attic was, uh, tell me if there's any dead people up there or another Wi-Fi router, because I think somebody's been living up there because we can hear him move around. Dude, and she, he turns to his friend and says, I don't think you've seen the tattoos on her face. No. Well, they're like right here. And he points to both cheeks. Friend two, Weisenheimer, just making cracks the whole time. Both these guys were. They were great. Friend two says, and what do they say? They got like a turkey and a Christmas tree, and they say, come over between the holidays? No, but that's good. I asked, so how did your wife find out? Oh, I told her. I told her. Well, I didn't, I didn't tell her. Well, maybe I did because uh, I let her track my location on my phone, and I kept it on deliberately to where she'd catch me, and that was just easier than breaking it to her. Like, oh, honey, I fell in love with somebody else, you know? Friend two says, oh, you fell in love? What's that like? Fucking shitty. I ask, are you still in love? Yeah, she's the worst. She gave me a black eye. Man, that customer ruined my life, man. Friend two says, well, you told on yourself, dumbass. He goes, yeah, but I wasn't cheating. How is it not cheating? I didn't have sex with her until I filed for divorce. Oh, your ass. Swear to God, your ass. No, no, swear to God. So you're telling us you didn't have sex with her until the divorce was finalized? Oh, no, 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 no. We most definitely did. I didn't say when it was final. I'm telling you when I filed it. That's when I finally had sex with her. Shit, I wasn't waiting that long till I wasn't waiting that long till it was finalized. I was still dating my wife at the time. I did them both in one day, though. That was probably the shittiest thing I've ever done. Friend two says, That's the shittiest thing you've ever done? Almost in disgust, like pure disgust. Shit, you're a saint. He said, Dude, that's awful. Friend two says, Man, I did four girls in one day once. I chime in, in a row? No, 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 in one day. Yes, like break down that day for us. He goes, okay, so I wake up, girl in my bed, banged her out, went to school. Friend one goes, wait, how old were you? 17. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man, I was still a virgin at 17. So I'm laughing my ass off at this point. And he goes, yeah, 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 I was 17. I went to school. Bang some chick out in the locker room during gym. Mm-hmm. She got a workout. Then I skipped school, went to some chick's house, banged her out. Then I came home and banged my girlfriend. Friend one goes, so the first three girls, you banged them out, but then you got home and just banged the girlfriend? You didn't bang her out? Uh-uh. Didn't bang her out. Uh, where did you go to school? Wagner. Oh, shit. I feel like an altar boy now. I said, all right, give me your best sex story. Uh, you ever been to Panama City Beach? Yep, yep. You know the Holiday Inn? Yes, sir. How could I forget it? On a fucking bench right out front. <laughs> I said, yeah, we went there for senior spring break. Yeah, man, it was the spring break Uh, the year before the four happened. So this is my sophomore year. Alter Boy says, Jesus where was your parents at? Ah, oh, they couldn't control me, dude. I did what I wanted. Apparently, who you wanted, too. My sex stories are, I had sex. You know, I got to finally have sex. 
I said, hey, fellas, I got one for you. I told them my infamous tin roof bathroom story and about the pic going viral on Barstool, and these dudes just lost it. So you're like famous then, huh? I'm like, I guess so, fellas. Hey, and you know what? When all is said and done, I'd rather be remembered for something than never remembered at all. Fuck you, haters. Think about that one, Jack. Okay, final story. We'll call this one, Do Your Homework. These two girls hop in, and I was taking them to work at, uh, well, it's big enough, uh, so UPS. I was taking them to UPS. And they were young looking too, so I was like, are y'all students? They said, yes, sir. They call me sir. I'm like, hey, come on. I know I'm built, but, you know, I got this baby face, but I guess they couldn't see it in the mask. So I'll take sir, you know? Yeah, yes, sir, you know? I'm in college, and the other one was like, yeah, I'm in high school. I said, oh, nice, nice. UPS helps pay for some of the tuition, don't they? Yeah, but only schools in-state. I want to go to UCLA. Nice, all right. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah, if I get in. Your grades must be pretty good then, huh? Eh, I got all A's and B's. I guess that's pretty good. I got one C. But right now, NTI, I got all U's probably. What's a U? Unsatisfactory, the lowest grade you can get. Damn. Yeah, NTI, I really don't like it. I I ain't been going to school. Well, you're not going to get into UCLA if you don't make your grades. You know that, right? Yeah, but they said they ain't going to count our last year. So I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I did good enough. I got a freebie coming. But I'm still going to get them up. You know, I got I got plenty of time, you know. But they said they're not going to count it. So I'm, I'm good either way. I said, yeah, because, listen, that's just going to strengthen you as a candidate. If you're really trying to get into UCLA and you're able to say, yeah, even though they told us we didn't have to do shit, I still got good grades because I wanted to come here. Because you got to think, like, you're going to be competing with people from all over the world to get into UCLA. That's a good school, but that's really tough to get into, you know? Like, I, I know people that didn't get in and they had good grades and did all the fucking president of the whatever club. And it's it's tough, man. It's tough. You're, you're competing with students internationally, not just students from uh, just, just your own state or even country, you know, you're out of state, whatever. So she's like... It's like so easy to get a bad grade, though, because you only get three assignments, and then if you flunk one of the assignments, then you automatically get a D. But why did you flunk the assignment? Because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and me and her friend are just laughing. I said, come on now. She said, it's too much work. Like, why are you assigning me stuff you wouldn't assign me if we was in regular school? And then I'm taking like chemistry and biology at the same time. So you assign me stuff that I don't know nothing about. And then you want me to look it up on Google. Like Google's a good teacher. And then when I put the answers down, they like, why do you get them from Google? I'm like, where else am I going to get it from? They like, use your textbook. <sighs> I'm not finna pay no $30 for no textbook. Yeah, but you know what? That's preparing you for what college is going to be like. I mean, it really is. I... I graduated from college in 2015, and some of the classes were all online. And a lot of them were like, go home, do the reading, come back in the class. And if you didn't do the reading, then you're kind of lost. And that's on you to start building up those habits to stay on top of your readings and your assignments and then come in already ready to go. 
And the friend who's in college is, is sitting in the back next to her goes, mm-hmm, that's how my culture class be. Like, he don't even host Zooms. He just tells us what chapters to read and when we have tests. Yeah, and if you come into that test unprepared, it's like, okay, we got three tests all semester. So I'm not going to do these readings. But then if you if you get to the test and, and, and you flunk the test and you only have three of them, then you get a D. And in college, especially, listen, if you're paying all that money to go to college, especially somewhere out of state, you're wasting your money and you're wasting your time because you're there to get an education so that you can get out and then use that degree so that you can go get a good job. So it all comes down to what you want and what you're willing to do to get it. Yeah, I think I'm going to do my homework. Thanks for that speech. (laughs) That's what she says. Me and her friends start laughing. She said, I needed that for real. I needed that. I said, I got you. You know what I'm saying? I got you. Oh, that was a good one. All right. All right. That's all I got for you guys. Plus this, I'll call this the fastest two minutes in sports. My fantasy teams went 6-0 and for the first time this season. I got two teams that are 8-3, three that are 6-5, and one that's 4-7. and Probably looking at playoffs for the least four teams, maybe five if I can hold on to, uh, you know, if I can hold on with all of those 6-5 and five teams. The Lakers just loaded up on free agents. Montrez Harrell, let's fucking go. Marcus Gasol, you and your brother are ugly as shit, but if you help LeBron get another ring, God love you. Wesley Matthews, uh, good, I guess. I think they'll probably add Kyle Korver too. Why wouldn't they? He's still unsigned, and LeBron loves playing with these guys that he's already played with before. Uh, middle fingers up, and motherfucker. Fuck the Cincinnati Bengals. Y'all ruin everything. I hope Joe Burrow's recovery goes smooth. That sucks. Lamar Jackson got outplayed by Ryan Tannehill again. Justin Herbert is a baller. Go Ducks, baby. Beat Oregon State. Civil War Friday night. Monday night's game between Brady and the Rams was the best Monday night football game probably of all time. Monday night football games, I feel like, always suck. Or at least have in the last two years. That was probably the best Monday Night Football game. Maybe of all time. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. Okay? And then, uh, we're going to kind of get some shitty, shitty games on Thanksgiving. Whoever decided that the Lions should be a Thanksgiving tradition should be smacked in the fucking face. Okay? And the 430 game, Washington and Dallas. Bleh! Okay? And then the late game. Watch Lamar win that game and beat the 10-0 Steelers and everybody that's been defending him this year and last when that when you know people say he can't make throws and who incessantly quote tweet things like, but I thought he wasn't a quarterback. Watch watch what they're gonna go. They're gonna go see and use this as their reason that they're right while completely ignoring the last several weeks of what we're all seeing, but they just aren't willing to admit. He sucks this year. And if he can't figure this stuff out and learn how to actually be a pocket passer and and make throws, then he's never going to reach that next level or the next tier in the NFL. Holy shit, Kentucky football. Watching it get blasted by 60 points felt awesome. I loved that they finally had to play Alabama and didn't have to hide in the East anymore and finally had to just... Just just get it. Just fucking get it. Take it. Just sit there and take it. 60 points worth. Louisville shutting out Syracuse was good. 
I guess. All right, still a race to see if either of these scrubs beat the over that I gave them at the beginning of the season. Three and a half games, three and a half wins. Uh, I still give U of L a better chance of doing it, mainly because they don't have to play Florida and UK does. But talk about bitter disappointment. Imagine, imagine, imagine. I mean, just just imagine for a second, being on 680 and hoping, wishing, and praying, being totally dependent on any kind of season from U of L and UK. And this is the one that you got. Hey, that's showbiz, folks. You gotta love it. I'm glad I'm doing this. Be well, my friends. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.